Well, happy Wednesday. Here we are again for another episode of On Wednesdays We Do Podcasts. And would you believe today I'm actually in Adelaide sitting here in the She Nurtures building with our special guest for this week, Danielle Morris. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you for having me. Is this your first podcast? It is. How are you feeling about it? Excited and nervous all at the same time. That is exciting. I like that you're excited. Yeah, very excited. (laughs) So for everybody listening at home, who are you? Who made you the person that you are today? So firstly, I'm a businesswoman and I'm a mum of two kids, a wife. And about five years ago, I was working in a corporate job earning a six-figure income, extremely unhappy and just thought the more money I earned, the happier I'd be. And at that time, I was seven months pregnant with my first child and said to my husband, I don't want to go back to this job that I absolutely hate. Um, And at the time, I was the high income earner and he looked at me and said, how are we going to survive off one income because we can't even really seem to save much on two and I said I don't know I'll find a way and I'm a big believer when the student is ready the teacher appears and I had a mentor at that time Mitch who said to me if you follow everything I teach you she'll be right she'll be right (laughs) I said okay I've got nothing to lose and he taught me a way to manage my money which completely changed my life my family's life and over those five years I've tweaked it to suit me and what I think it would suit other people better and what do you know I turned it into a business I tested it on a good friend and she's like people need to know about this I'm like yeah I know and she's like you need to do something with this and so how long ago was that how long ago did I start my business uh it's nearly coming up to the 12 month mark wow so we're in 12 months and I so if anybody is interested you can jump on to Danielle's Facebook page it's Danielle Morris uh, coach so what we're going to be talking about today and what really inspired me to have you on the show was I find myself so I'm 26 and no children but um, I find myself and my friends every time we get together they're always saying I've got no money but they're wearing a new outfit or, you know, I've got no money, I can't do this. And don't get me wrong, I go through stages of that myself. But what I'm really looking forward to talking to you about is how even on a small level, we can each change the way that, you know, we manage our money so that we can do all the things we want to do. Yeah, definitely. And I thought I was doing that over five years ago. Like I said, I earned really good money. I was in a corporate job. On the outside, I looked up. Life was perfect, and I was doing well. We had we bought a house young. I had everything I wanted. I wore the Veronica main suits. I spent three hundred dollars every four to eight weeks on getting my hair done. Like I just spent money. The more money I earned, the more money I spent. But on the, your sister. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just spent it, and I saved a little bit, but not a lot. And I found in the inside, I was the unhappiest I'd ever been. I was hating life on the inside. What did you do in your corporate career? I worked for BHP Billiton. So I was a supervisor in the purchasing and accounts team. So I worked there for many years and I started from the bottom and worked my way up quite quickly into a leadership position. So I've always been driven successful, but I learned quickly that it's not about how much money you make and how much money you earn. It's actually what you do with it. Mm. Not spend it is sometimes the answer (laughs) yeah but I think you need to have a balance and what I've learned is that you have to have a balance of spending and saving you you need to combine the two because if you're just saving all of a sudden you're unfulfilled because you're not spending any money and doing the things that you want but then if you're doing the opposite as well you're spending all your money you've got this added financial stress and pressure that 
you've got nothing. Yeah. It's so interesting because I work in finance, right? So I don't advise people on their finances, thank God, because I'm not good at it. Um, But I lend people money for cars Mm -hmm. and I see it almost every day. So the banks put on what we call a living expense onto people. So obviously we go, oh, you know, how much did you spend a month on this, that and the other? And they'll come up with these ridiculously low figures. I don't know if you notice that, but when people do up their budgets, it's like, oh, we spend $100 a week on groceries. Okay, sure. Um, You know, and they'll come up with this figure. But the bank's figure, I think, is inflated. So there's like this middleman. So for a couple in South Australia, the living expense, so this doesn't include mortgage or any other expenses, just groceries, insurance and stuff like that, is $2,648. A month or a week? A month. Okay. Yeah. For a couple with no children. Yep. Plus your mortgage, plus your car repayments, plus, plus, plus. Okay. I think it's reasonable. It's reasonable. Yeah. $500 a week per person, give or take. Yeah, that's reasonable depending, as long as you're not saving for anything, that's just living. That's living. Yeah, that's not including savings. Yeah. And then, you know, I go in and put people's incomes in and sometimes their income just covers expenses. Yep. Would that surprise you? No. No, I work with clients that say we can't get ahead and we don't know where our money's going. And you sit down and work it out. And some of them are spending more than what they earn, but don't realise. And that's, there's a statistic that majority of the population spend 105% of their income. So they're spending 100% of the income plus 5%. Where's that going? It's going on credit, credit cards, debt. Like we've got so much debt at the moment and people are living off credit cards. It's it's scary. Like I heard one person say they weren't a client of mine, but I heard about them that they had like seven credit cards. I'm like, what do you even do with seven credit cards? And yeah. how do you get into that situation? Tap, you, tap, then tap, you, tap, tap, Yeah, then you've got to get yourself out of that situation. And I think the, the downfall with credit and credit cards is that you're spending money you don't have, mm. which is so easy to do. And have you found since uh, pay services such as Afterpay, ZipPay, stuff like that have come about that people and they're like oh yeah but i'm gonna pay it back in threes installments interest free i'm like but you don't have that money if you don't have 200 dollars to buy the dress don't buy the dress don't buy the dress yeah um i haven't come across any clients that have used afterpay so you, you hear of it it's, it's big and it's out there but i personally haven't seen anyone use it as yet okay. but i do see the credit cards yeah the, the credit card debt out of curiosity, what's like the average age of people that are coming and seeing you at the moment? Obviously, we're 12 months in, but, you know, are they sort of middle-aged women with kids? Yeah, I would say mid-30s mid to probably mid-40s. Yeah. The majority of the people I generally work with, I seem to attract business, women in business, mm-hmm. which is my target market. And so I get a lot of women in business that have kids and have families. Yeah. See, I think the afterpay generation is mine. Yeah, like and I, younger. Thank God I don't have afterpay because I've got no self-control. And if I had an account, I'd use it. So I'm just like, I don't have a credit card. I don't have afterpay. I don't have that stuff because I've got no willpower. But that's really unheard of for someone to say they don't have a credit card. I don't think I've met many people that say they don't have a credit card. Yeah. So that's, for me, I think that's fantastic that you've acknowledged you don't have willpower. <laughs> so you don't put the temptation in front of yeah. you. But people still fall into that trap with the temptation yeah and the other temptation i've seen people is um getting loans with redraw facility yes that's another dangerous one that i think um you know uh 
some banks and credit unions have offered they're like oh yeah you'd pay all of this additional money in there and then it's yours whenever you need it it's like no that's not what it's for it's not what it's for it's to eat away at your interest yeah. to cut your home loan down it's there as an emergency like emergency means you've lost your job and you can't pay for anything you tap into your emergency funds or you got critically ill and couldn't work there's your emergency funds yeah i also i'm one of those people as well that believe in insurance and i don't know if you do but like i'm obviously in a good job but i have two mortgages a car a payment etc so i have life insurance like i have insurance in the event that i get sick and can't work like i can't yeah. afford my lifestyle yeah <laughs> i've set up an expensive life <laughs> <laughs> and you need to have cover for that so i teach clients and then the question comes up do you have income protection do you have life insurance because that gives you a level of cover and protection but there's so many people that don't have that and I'm not a financial advisor so I don't advise people on that but it's nice to know where people sit yeah. and I refer those people on to financial advisors to, to look after that that's financial advisor specialty yeah then I say to them okay in the event that you got sick critically ill or lost your job how are you going to survive and the first step I teach people is to have that safety net there to remove the emotion to have financial safety and security so if something happens they have money that they can tap into to cover their living costs. So for me, um, if my my husband's the main income earner now because I run a business, so my money's inconsistent. And if he walked in tomorrow and said to me, I've lost my job, for me, there's no emotion with that because we have that safety net sitting there to say, well, that's okay. You've got three months to get to find a new job and to get back on track, which I know he wouldn't take that long. But we can still sleep at night. We can know that we can still feed our kids tomorrow and we can still put a roof over our head and nothing has to change. We've got three months up our sleeve. Yep. And to me, that's really important. And I read a statistic that last year, only one in eight Australians have that. Yeah, have, have emergency that. savings. No. One in eight. So it's really scary to know that not many people have that. Yeah, I, I don't have that. So on an average, so is that what we need to work towards? Like we work out what our expenses are for a month times it by three and that's what we should have in savings at Yeah, all but times. everyone's everyone's risk level is different. So for you, you might find that three months is what you need. For somebody else, it might be a month, but for somebody else, it might be 12 months. So it's, a, it's adapting to the person's risk level and their safety profile, as mm. I call it. So for me, I have three months because that's what I feel comfortable knowing I can go to sleep at night with. But I could I could adjust that. But I always like to know that if something went wrong, or my husband lost his job, or one of us got sick, life can still go on. We don't have to like all of a sudden cut right back and stop everything that we do. Yeah, that's the other thing. Um, you know, you mentioned to me when we were chatting before that this money isn't everything. And yes, you use money to buy things and do things, but I'd hate to have lots of money in the bank just so that I have it but not be able to go out to dinner with my friends or you know uh, go to a wedding and not be able to buy a new dress to wear yeah and that's what I was talking to at the beginning that it's having a balance between the saving and the spending because if you're just saving and you've got money sitting in the bank but you can't do all those things that are important to you then that's not really living is it so it's about what is what do you want to make possible so just say we determine that you need two months of living costs, but what else do you want? Do you love traveling? What is it that fulfills you and 
makes you enjoy life and love life and let's include that in another level of savings so you've got a savings and a spending yeah i find that i save best when i've got something to save for Mm. so when um my partner and i just recently well gosh it's almost 12 months ago we bought like our dream property and when it came on the market i had what was it like eight weeks to come up with a deposit and because it was so important to you you would have found it yeah and I did and I like worked my bum off to get there and um but now and don't get me wrong um now that I've got that place we've continually got something to look forward to there's always something that you've got on next but you know we've put the holiday thing because we used to have a holiday every year we're like okay well we can't have the holiday now because we're working towards this instead but I'm still fulfilled by it so I'm okay with it whereas if I didn't if we just cut the holidays to save I'd be like yeah it's not worth it yeah I'm not giving up holidays just to have money in the bank yeah (laughs) so it's important to have what are you working towards so for me having that financial security and knowing that I can sleep at night is important to me but it it, it sounds like it's not as important to you so it's about adjusting but it should be is it just my generation like I've never, I've never not had money, and I guess that's my issue. Like I, I grew up in a family that I'm not saying that we were rich because we weren't rich, but you know, if I wanted something, I could have it. You know, obviously I had to do jobs and whatnot to get it, but it wasn't because my parents couldn't afford it. Yep. Um, I've never, you know, been like, oh, I want this for dinner and not be able to afford it. So I think I'm lucky in the sense, but also not lucky because I've never known not having money Mm -hmm. so if I was working with you just say you're a client of mine and you're like well that's not important to me I would sit down with you and connect it's called linking connect what is important to you to having some of that savings sitting there so how I would do that is I would say to you so it's important to you to do the things you love so you said you bought a property Mm. that is really important to you what would happen if you lost your job and you got sick and all of a sudden you lost you were on the verge of losing that property how does that make you feel yeah shit yeah yeah so by having this little bit of savings here can protect you and know that that property is safe if that happens does that then change the situation yeah absolutely it does but i just feel so um far away from ever being able to have that much because I think about it I'm like okay so if I lost my job like I've got a bit of income protection that's fine I've sorted that but if I didn't have that I'd need to have so much money in the bank mm-hmm. like it seems so unachievable yeah because because of the lifestyle I've set up for myself and I'm not blaming anyone it's me but it's a lot of money like yeah. I think about it I'm like okay so I've got car loan repayments mortgage repayments I'd probably need three thousand dollars a month in that so what I'd do for you then is a starting point (laughs) let's get you to one month let's get you to that three thousand dollar mark yeah and let's work out how long it would take you to get there and it might be that you could only save fifty dollars a week oh because that's just me being ridiculous like, yeah i could do more than that do you know what i mean like i just but have it's to making re-prioritize. it re- yeah, yeah and it's making it relatable but when i sit down with people when i work with people i look at everything yeah so it's like do you know where all your money's going and majority of people don't no they have no idea so we capture all that and then it's transparent and you say well okay you could actually save a hundred dollars a week just by 
in that giving you financial yep. safety but you could also save a hundred dollars a week into saving for a holiday or the things that you love and want to do as well as give yourself some spending money like how, do, how does that feel so you're getting to do the things you want but you're also not going to lose your house <laughs> so the first step is finding what you want yeah what you want in, and what is important to you and then is your second step like going through bank statements and finding where i waste all of my money <laughs> like is that what happens yeah it's but i have um i have like a template that i sit down with people and it captures all of that yeah so it's like what what are all your living costs and expenses and i've itemized that so it's not about you having to work all that out i have points that capture do people lie to you unintentionally because no because I i wouldn't even know where half of my money goes i think the worst slash best thing i ever did was like put my card on my phone because i don't carry a wallet i'm a minimal person i hate bags and whatnot so i put my card on my phone and so i'm just like tappy tap 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 (laughs) and then i go into my bank i'm like yesterday i had you know because i've got a couple of accounts yesterday i had twelve hundred dollars and today i've got 46 bucks (laughs) and you probably don't know where that went oh no that's what i mean like i just i don't know and i'm one of those people that's like ignorance is bliss when it comes to my bank account i've got my savings account which i put money into every week and i try not to touch it but sometimes my phone will alert me like did you know you're getting low in your account i'm like "Uh oh (laughs) (laughs) before you know it you spent too much yeah before i know it i spent too much and i think the worst mistake i did because i am finally starting to save some money again um and the worst mistake i did was try and save too much all at once yep and then then you felt the restriction yeah and then i cut myself too short to the point where i had to like take money out of my savings to fill things do you find people doing that too like pushing too hard straight Um, up or because we didn't do it properly (laughs) i i haven't because i make it realistic for them so i say to them i have two levels of savings which i've spoken about and in the first level i say it's not about how much you're saving it's the habit so it's the habit of putting a consistent amount away each week and not touching it so it's about okay if you're putting 200 dollars a week and that's leaving you with really no money then reality is is that you're going to touch that yes so let's adjust that down to say 50 and then you've got less chance of touching it but then in your savings account that you're saving towards a holiday or that nice dress you want whatever how about we put a little bit more in there because that's going to stop you from touching the other savings account right so it's having a, a balance between the two so there's a savings account that you don't touch that's your financial security and protection and then you've got one that you spend spend it all have fun enjoy life but it's it's about getting people to see the balance between the two so as a rule because i mean a lot of people will say oh yeah i've done the barefoot investor thing and don't get me wrong i i looked at it and i tried the like bullshit six account thing and i'm not saying that it's bullshit for everyone it might work but i found i had too many different pots like I was Mm -hmm. just like I had all of these things coming out of everywhere and then I've also got like a business account that you know my marriage celebrant stuff all comes out of and I was like where like I've got $200 here $600 there and I couldn't see anything so what you it sounds like you've got is like you've got your main working account that all of your bills and stuff come out of a deep savings which is your emergency fund and then like your spendings and a few, more, a few more other accounts. So I probably... <laughs> How many accounts have we got, Danielle? <laughs> I generally... My clients generally have seven accounts. Seven? Yep. Girl, that's a lot seven of accounts. accounts. Do you see them all, like, as a client? Like, 
as let's say yeah, it's for me, see. I'd see all of them. Yep, you have transparency around all of them. But the benefit of it is that you know what each account, what the money is going towards. So there's intention for your money. It's not just having money sitting there floating about because any money that's not allocated or has intention for will be allocated for you and you just spend it on rubbish that is not important to you. Mm. Where when you've got intention and just say like, I have a groceries account. So I know that that account is solely for grocery shopping. And then I know that that's what I have to spend for the week within reason. And it stops you from overspending on stuff that you don't need and rubbish. Interesting. So how many kids do you have? Two. And how much do you spend a week on groceries? Uh, two fifty. That's reasonable. Yeah. That's really yeah. reasonable. Two fifty to three hundred. Yeah. And that includes toiletry items, every grocery item that comes into the house. Yeah. yeah two fifty to three hundred a week. Yeah. Whereas, do you think that some people would be like, "Oh, I'm only going to spend one hundred and fifty, two hundred, and then they blow out every you know month when they need it can detergent, happen. Yeah. you know, like all of that expensive stuff." Yeah. You've got to be realistic with it. And yeah. do you know what? It's trial and error. It took me. And I've been doing this for years. And it took me a while to find my groove because we work on a, a monthly pay cycle in our house. So by the end of the month, if you haven't managed each week's grocery shopping well, you could get to the end of the month and be like, oh, where's all our money gone? And it's taken me a little while to get the hang of that. It's taken me a couple of years. But yeah, we, you just, you know what you've got to spend. You get to the point that you know what you're buying each week and it, it just kind of flows on. Do you think, because you said you work with women in business mostly, do you think it's harder for people that have like a self-employed income to budget? Because you don't often you know, don't know what's, coming, what's in. coming in. Like I'm really yeah. lucky that, um, yes, I have my business, but I also work like a job. You know, I work yep. six days a week in a job that pays me whether, you know what I mean? Whether you're there or not. Yeah. Mm. Um, So I'm lucky in that sense, but I know a lot of people um, that I've been talking to lately, that is, they've just, you know, both feed in and, you know, they've got a couple of clients and all of that sort of stuff, but they don't know when their money's coming in. Is that a real... It's not harder. I just treat them a little bit differently with how we set things up. But I think the, the main thing with having a business... The part that is really stressful is the inconsistency of income. So I deal with that first. So let's look at your business. And we all, for the people on here that have businesses would know that you get a really good month where you've exceeded and you've bought in all this money. And you're like, yes, that's awesome. I'm rocking this. And then you go and spend it all. And then all of a sudden the next month you're like, oh. Sales are down. Yeah, Yeah, sales are down and I can't even meet my living costs. But last month I did so well, but I spent it all. So I look at them and and we work out what do you need in your business? Like, What is your personal costs and living costs? What is your business costs? And anything above that, let's put aside into your business savings account. And then on that next month when things are short, you've got that money there to top you back up. Do you find that people that are self-employed under pay themselves? Like I know that like paying yourself is really important. Is the last thing that you do often as a business owner though, isn't it? Especially if you have a business that has employees, Mm. um, you know, you'll just take a minimal income. Which I think that that in society is what we need to change. 
the importance of paying yourself first. Because at the end of the day, the business wouldn't be a business if you weren't in it doing what you do. Now, it doesn't mean that, in my opinion, I don't think you pay yourself an excessive wage or income, but what do you need? What do you need to meet your living costs? What do you need to make sure that you're getting fulfillment from doing a business? And is that realistic? And then look at paying yourself first. Because at the end of the day, if you're not fulfilled in your business, then it's not going to do well. It's not going to do well. So if you're not make, if you're not giving yourself some money and looking after yourself, well, you're not going to have the energy to keep that going. Absolutely. And I have found that, you know, um, I even look at my other half, you know, sometimes you think, you know, you would earn more working for someone else doing the same thing. And that's not what owning a business is about. It's about having freedom, flexibility, um, you know, not having to take demands off of somebody else. But there has to be a financial aspect to that. Like you have to be rewarded in some way. Yeah, definitely. And otherwise you're not fulfilled. If, you, if you're not paying yourself some money and an income in a business, why are you doing it? I mean, yeah, you spoke about having the, the um, ability to do what you want. You don't have to answer to anybody else. Like they're important but you also need to make a little bit of money as well yeah we're not in like the 1800s where we can barter anymore like you have to you got to buy some stuff yeah that's what i found like and don't get me wrong i wish we lived in a society where we could trade off our things for other things and i really enjoy doing that you know there's uh, i'm a marriage celebrant um and i do my friends weddings and i refuse to let them pay me because that's my gift to them you know like as a business owner sometimes there is stuff you can give back especially if it costs you nothing if it's just your time yeah. you know but also there has to be a payoff for that like it's there nice. has to be there has to be that fair value exchange yeah so you can't give away everything for free because that's not fair value and i find if you're giving things away so if i was to give my services to free to people in all honesty, they don't take it seriously. No. And they don't go away and implement. Yep. But when I put a price on that and value what I do, they value what I do. I found this with a gym membership, right? <laughs> when I went out and bought new gym clothes, I invested in my health. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, yes, I'm going to pay for a gym membership, get new gym clothes, blah, blah, blah. Like I haven't gone to the gym in ages. We scratched that. But the intention was there initially. And I, I'm exactly the same. Like if you don't value your time, then why would somebody else? Exactly. Yeah. And you deserve to be rewarded for that. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have your friends all the time like, oh, Danielle, can you help me with this? No, I don't no, actually. No, that's good. You've got because, some good friends. Yeah. Because I think the people I'm friends with know and understand fair value exchange. And I've all, in all honesty, I haven't had anybody ask me for discount or can you help me for free? Oh, having said that, yeah, probably I have. <laughs> now and you just said piss off. <laughs> <laughs> but they know that by me giving them something, I'm doing a disservice to them. Yeah. Because what I've seen, if I if I help someone for free, like I said before, and I give them some tasks to go away and do, they don't do it because they're not valuing what I've just asked them to do. There's no exchange. Why would they go away and do something if they haven't paid out to learn that yeah i a hundred percent agree on that so with your um system what is the biggest success story you've had biggest success story is it yourself 
yeah, well, I would say it is because that allowed me to create a business and help other people do it. And the reason it's a big success story for me is that I got to walk away from a six-figure income job. Having said that, I got made redundant when I was on maternity leave. But that was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I got to spend the first few years of just being a mum and enjoying being a mum. Was it hard because we dropped from two income down to one? Yeah, it was bloody hard. I understand when I work with people and I say that you have to sacrifice, sometimes you have to sacrifice to get the things you want. It was important to me at that time to be home with my kids and not have that financial pressure. So we had to make sacrifices. But then on the flip side, because I went through all that and understood it, now I'm able to create a life that I love. I don't need to go on a holiday because I don't have a life that I want to run away from. Like, I love what I do. I get to do what I want every day. And I help other people do that. And I get paid for it. Like, to me, that's just a life I love. That's great. But not everybody feels like that in their life. So it's exciting that you get to. What did you grow up? Like, what was your family like growing up? Yeah, growing up, I grew up in a single parent home. So money was tight, like really tight to the point that sometimes our electricity would get cut off. Um, My mum would have to find ways to find us food. We always got fed, but there were times that like things were really hard. And I think that's where I got my appreciation of money and my drive to have more is because I know what it's like to go without completely, to, to be struggling. And how many like siblings did you have growing up? I had a younger brother yeah. that lived at home with us at the time. But I mean, I like that was that was really tough. My childhood was really tough. But you know what? It's the best thing that ever happened yeah. to me. Yeah. Best thing. I would not change anything that happened because that has shaped me into the person I am today. Yeah, it made you savvy. Yeah. And I know what it's like to struggle and that's crap. But I also know what it's like not to struggle. And that's amazing. And it means that you can relate across the board from one extreme to another, I guess. Yeah. What I found is, so when I first left school, I did a traineeship in real estate sales. So I think I remember, I can't remember exactly, but I started on like $35,000, right? So a very small income is what I'd consider. But back then on a traineeship, that's really good. (laughs) Back then it was like... (laughs) Six, six years. It wasn't that long ago. I'm 26, remember. But yeah, so like a reasonable income, but in comparison to what I've got now, very small. I had more money in the bank when I was earning 35000 to a six-figure income. Yeah. And that comes back to the more you earn, the more you spend. It's like if what I've found and what I see is that in society, as your income grows people's lifestyle just keeps growing and growing i can legitimately be the magazine cover for this but yes continue (laughs) (laughs) but what i also see is in that situation if you know where all your money's going and have it allocated have it all set up and you're managing it well as your income grows you can see that there's really no reason to increase your lifestyle unless there's things in there that you want So it really should be the more income you make, the more you should be able to save or more you should be able to spend on the things that are important to you. So for you, you bought a second property. So even though you said you haven't saved much, but you've got two properties. 
So you've done something with that. Oh, money. I've done something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can show you where the money is. Yeah. But I'm there's not... people out there that would be at your age earning that money, not have any properties. Like, where where's that money gone? Yeah. I I have friends, and when I told them that I was doing this episode, they're like, "Oh my god, can she save me?" I'm like, "No." Like, you have to. You have to. I can help you. I can throw you the, the life... Bone. Yeah. yeah, the life boy. <laughs> yeah. But you actually have to get on that life boy and swim into shore. Yeah. So I can't do it for you. I can show you how to do it and help you and work through all the barriers that you may have, but I can't do it for you. You have to actually want to do it and want to change your situation. Yeah, and it does excite me at the prospect of my friends having some money again. Like, it does. And um, I've tried to help you know um but there's only so much that somebody will take from someone they know as well yeah. sometimes you need somebody on the outside being like girl you got to get your shit together you do and um they'll be listening to this being like oh my god she's talking about me <laughs> <laughs> i love it and they're like oh was that episode about me i'm like it's not all about you but this one definitely is you know and um they'll uh, and they'll admit to this you know spending half of your income a week on clothes and um material things is not a good use of your time and it might buy you happiness for a moment like a moment um but it runs out really quick yep and that's my question i ask to those people is are you truly happy can you sit there and look me in the eye and talk from your heart and say yes i'm happy i love my life it's awesome great no more like you cool so you're doing what you're doing because if if you're on the path that you're on and that's where you're meant to be and that's what you want cool go for it but most of the people come to me and say i can't save like i'm not getting anywhere i don't have a house i'm in debt i keep falling in the same cycle there's more i don't want this anymore can you help me out of this i know there's more to life sure on average how long would you say it took that person and i know that it's different for everyone but to get your value back so what they input into paying you how long would it take them to get that money back interesting question because i had this conversation with a client of mine and he was able to say what he invested in me he got that back oh what was the figure like with how much he was able to save and he actually put more money back into me to help him ongoing because he said to me he said i was his safety net yeah so when things went bad he could rely on me to help him through situations and he he was able to put it into a figure that yeah he he paid me this much but he was able to save 10 times that say so he said his return on investment was nine nine like, yeah yeah nine times over 900 percent. yep And to have clients come to me and say, for the first time in my life, I've actually been able to save some money and they're like 35 years old and then have another client that their income level is so, so low. But with me teaching them what I taught them, they were able to pay down debt and I got them to see that where they are, they actually actually do have some money and they've been able to survive. Yeah, it, it blows my mind that 
in, you know, we've just had the Royal Commission into banking and it frustrated me initially because everybody was blaming the banks. Yeah. And nobody took responsibility for their own decisions because banks don't put money in your account without you asking for it. And working in finance, I go, okay, well, what would you be comfortable with as a car loan repayment, for example? And they're like, oh, I have no idea. I'm like, okay, if I said $300 a week, would that be too much? Oh, yeah, that's way too much. I'm like, so you know that you can't afford that. What about 200? Oh, 200 would be pushing it. I'm like, 150? Yeah, 150 would be fine. And then, you know, let's say three years later, they're like, oh, yeah, now I can afford 200 or whatever. But I find people are never satisfied they always want more more. they always want better and they always want the next best thing the next best thing and we're in a generation that nothing is ever enough like if i taught i spoke to my in-laws and when they first bought their house say 40 years ago they built a house and they had sheets up on their window until they could afford to save for curtains they sat on plastic chairs until they could afford a dining suite but in our generation we have to have all that. So if we buy the house, we need the curtains now and we need the dining suite. We need everything now and we'll put it on credit to get there and then get ourselves into debt. But when you look at it, we're in a generation that is the most depressed, so much anxiety, so many antidepressant pills are getting handed out. So are we really happy? Are we really fulfilled? Or are we just chasing something because society has told us that that's what we need. That's what you need. So for a house, for example, everyone gets told you must buy a house. Now, people on this podcast will probably find this quite interesting that I help people with their money, but I don't own a house. I actually rent. I did have investment properties and I sold them all now, and that's another story. But when I had a house, because society told me I had to have a house, so that's what I worked towards. And my husband and I, we bought our house at 20, so we did it quite early. And then we bought a bigger house, and I woke up one day... And I realized that I was so unhappy. And I said to my husband, I hate living here. I don't want to mortgage anymore. I hate this. I feel so trapped and boxed in. I'm stressed and I was earning so much money. Do you know what? The minute we moved out of that house and we went and rented, it was like this massive weight lifted off my shoulder. And I'm like, and yeah, one day we will buy a house again, but that's not important to me. It's important to me to wake up every day and do what I want when I want and do the things that are important to me. And to each person, that is different. Yeah, and I don't live in the house that I own. Awesome. Um, because I don't need that right now. Yeah. You know, the house that we live in, it's a part of uh, my partner's property and it's beautiful. And it does all of the things that we need it to do and somebody else is paying. Paying your mortgage for you. Well, yeah, some of it. Anyway. <laughs> Ideal I, situation though. Yeah, and so I'm really lucky in that sense. But... Um, I am definitely one of those people, but I also pay for things when I have the money. Aside from a car and a house, obviously, I've borrowed money to do that. But I yeah. don't, I don't rack things up on credit because I'm a huge believer that if you don't have the money, you don't need it. Yeah. And I find it really interesting. People are coming in and buying cars, and it's great. It's, you know, it's my job. Um, but but they don't need it. But before they've even paid that down you know it'd be different if you're trading in and and being in a better financial position but i see it's 
it's getting better. But when I first started, it was just like, oh yeah, I still owe X on this. And I'm just like, okay, what's the need for the new car? Oh, the new one's out now. It's got better things, which is an exciting prospect. And to some people that's important Mm. to have the biggest and the best and what but is that important to them or are they trying to prove themselves to others oh they're 100 percent proving yeah. things to others so it's like living up keeping up with the joneses as they say so people buy things with money that they don't have they buy things they don't want with money they don't have to impress the people they don't like which is <laughs> often the case because and do you know what i know that because i used to do that I had to have a bigger house than other people. I had to have a new car. I had to spend more money on my hair to somebody else. And it was because I felt I had to show to others what I was worth. But inside, I was like so unhappy, so sad, hating my life. But I was trying to impress everybody else. When now I'm like, well, I don't care that I don't own the house I live in, I don't own. Like I've had my car, I didn't buy my car brand new and I've had it for five years. But that's that's me. That like that's not. It's not important to me to get a new car. So I think it comes back to questioning people on what do you want? What is important to you? Nobody else. And when you're trying to, when you're spending money and getting into debt because you're impressing everybody else, why is that happening? And where has that come from? It's a really deep question, isn't it? Which it is some really people don't question. know the answer to. Often, I'm guessing it would take a very long time to get to the bottom of that. Yeah. And I see a lot of the time even within myself you know I love going out with my friends and going out to dinner you know we went out to dinner last night and some people commented which is more than fine like oh I can't come out to dinner it's not pay week and it hurt me I almost wanted to be like I'll pay for your dinner like if you can't come out for dinner and network and meet new people and spend time like I've got that ability to be able you know what I mean like I'll pay for a friend to come out to dinner so that they can come out yeah but is it is it up to you to do that because are they going to learn the lesson no they don't learn the lesson and I don't do it but I would you know what I mean like I I get that I would do I would I would do that for a friend as well yeah but because you just want to be that good friend that because you know you're in the position that can do it but the other thing is you don't have to go out to dinner and have the pork belly stir fry. You can have a bowl of chippies if that's all you can afford, but at least yeah. you're there. Yeah, but maybe going out for dinner wasn't important to that person. Yeah, because that's I think thing. I yeah. think when something's really important to you, you make you'll, it work. You'll make it work, and you'll find the money. Yeah, I, I know that myself, and I'm sure you're probably the same yeah. as most people are. That if something is really important to me, I don't care. I will find the money. But I've, I've gotten to a place in my life now that I feel I don't need to make excuses when I don't want to do something. Like I'll Yeah, actually, I'm the same. I'll be like, sorry, I'll I don't want to go. Yeah, sorry, I don't want to go. Like Friday night, I was meant to go out for a friend's birthday, drinks and dinner. And I'd had a busy week and I knew I had stuff on on the weekend. And I just, I, I think it was probably, I'm getting to the point where I don't need to make up things. And I just said to her, hey, I'm really sorry, I'm not coming. I've had a busy week. I just need to be an introvert tonight and, and hibernate. I'm staying home. And I'm staying home. <laughs> and she sent back, no worries, I get it. And she was fine with it. Yeah. There but was... like the old me years ago would have said, oh, sorry, kids are sick, I'm sick. Like I would have made up some excuse because... That's what society that's says. That's what society says. Instead of just being honest and saying, hey, I actually don't want to do that or I don't feel like doing that and I'm okay with that. And if you've got an issue with it, that's probably your issue, not mine. Yeah. So 
sort of wrapping up, what are three things that you can give the people that are listening steps to move forward with? Firstly, get clear on what is important to you and what do you want in life? So is it that going on a holiday every year is important to you? Like what is really important to you? And think about it and write it down. Get clear on that. Second is know your numbers, know what's going out. So sit down and work out what do you spend on grocery shopping? What are your bills? What can you save? Because once you know your numbers, you know where you sit and you know how much you can save. You know where all your money's going. And number three would be, mm, that's a tough one. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not going to work if you don't do yeah, it. Yeah. If you don't do it and you don't give it a go, how do you know? Like nothing changes if nothing changes. So if what you're doing is working, great, keep doing that. But if what you're doing isn't working, something has to change and you're the only one that can make that first step. And it might be buy a book that can help you and implement what you learn. It might be reaching out to someone like me and saying, hey, can we have a chat and see if we're the right fit and can, can we work together? It might be just sitting down and doing something different and trying it and see what works. Yeah, it's an exciting concept. So a, another question that I ask everyone that comes on the show, and I don't know if I prompted you to think of this, but we had an episode back in season one that's called Things That Grind My Gears. And it was one of my favorites and one that everybody sort of commented on and said that they either agree or disagree. What are three things that you really hate? And they can be actions or they can be actual things. They can be serious or not. Three things I hate. Oh, wow. I should have thought about this, shouldn't I? <laughs> um, I hate it when people aren't living up to their full potential. And that can mean just getting out there. Like, who cares if you look stupid? Who cares if you make a mistake? But do what you want to do and put you first. That grinds my gears when people don't do that. Um, people who eat loudly and chew loudly <laughs> that is my pet hate and my son is going my four-year-old is going through the stage at the moment where he sits near me and chews and crunches and I'll say to him can you please close your mouth his response to me at the moment is okay I'll go sit somewhere else and you go into another room <laughs> I can't stand it the third one You're thinking really hard. I can list oh. things that I hate off the top of my head. <laughs> I can tell you all the things I love. No, I really thought about no. the things I hate. I, I just feel like on every podcast, everyone's so positive and it drives me nuts that everybody feels that all the time, all they can be is positive. Yep. It's like the real world, things annoy you. Like things mm. do piss you off. There we go. That's prompted you. What is it? <laughs> I hate sleeping in. Oh my God. <laughs> what time do you get up every morning? Uh, during the week, I get up about quarter past five, 5.30. And on weekends, it's about 6.37. Yeah. And then you go to bed at what time? Uh, between 9.30 and 10, 10.30. Yeah. That's, a, that's, that's still a good amount of sleep. Yeah, it is. But I hate sleeping in. Oh. It throws my day. Yeah. I'm angry at everybody <laughs> if they let me sleep in. <laughs> You're and I mean, in sometimes routine. I need to sleep in, but I love getting up early before everybody in the house because I get time to myself and peace and quiet to do what I want to do. Yeah. Oh, I hate mornings. So that's interesting that you like hate sleeping in, and mornings. I love sleeping in. I love it. But you do feel like shit. 
Yeah. Like, it, it definitely. But I need, like, 10 hours sleep a night to function. Oh, wow. I'm a zombie. I, it's just I always have, so – and I make the most of it. So, I guess wrapping up, I can't believe we've already been here for – this amount of time it's absolutely felt like we've been here for 15 minutes i know i know but it's really exciting so i guess you've already got your takeaways everybody listening but if you want to hit danielle up on facebook so it's danielle morris with an m on um facebook and you can check out her page um give her a call and just see if what she's got to offer fits with what you want to achieve yeah definitely i'm just saying to the listeners like reach out to me let's have a chat i'll offer everybody that mentions his post podcast a free 30 minute strategy call um if they're interested and we can have a chat to see if we're the right fit or what you want to achieve and where you want to go find it how exciting is that 30 minutes with danielle on the phone i'm sure that she'll be able to sort you out we've just spoke for 45 minutes and it feels like 15 so (laughs) 30 minutes feels like five (laughs) awesome well until next week everybody thank you so much for listening and a big thanks to danielle it's been an absolute pleasure and until next time you do you huns Thank you for having me. Not a problem. See you next week.